Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. Well, as a welcome team is collecting the offering, uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 or uh, scroll over in your phone to 1 Corinthians 13 or your iPad or however uh, you planned on following along today. If you didn't plan on following along today, that's cool too. We're going to put the scriptures up on the screens for you. Also, on uh, there's a free Bible app called the YouVersion Bible app. And on there, if you go to more and then you go to the events tab, you should be able to find uh, my notes for today. And you can save those. You can download them. Um, you can follow along during this time. Uh, whatever you want to do with them, they are, they are yours for you to use. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We, over the last couple of weeks, we have been... Uh, talking about how do we be ready for every moment. We've been in this series every moment uh, since the end of last year, and we, we, we looked at a few things. We looked at, number one, God is with us in every moment, that he is always with you. He never leaves you. He never turns his back on you. So every moment that you exist, God is with you. You're never apart from him. There's nothing that can separate you from him and from his love. And then we start talking about, all right, but we need to be ready in every moment. There are these moments that come, and sometimes the problem is just we're just not ready for the moments. And that sounds great, and hopefully that was a great sermon. But we need to know, like, how do we be ready? Like, it's great to know that you need to be ready, but if you don't know how to be ready, then you just have some knowledge that you don't know how to apply. And so we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 13 over the last two weeks. Um, the first week we looked at faith, the next week we looked at hope, and this week we're going to look at love. It says this, so now faith, hope, and love abide, meaning they continue on. They live on. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And so we said, all right, if faith, hope, and love are continuing, if they're living, if they're abiding, and they're abiding in us, then these are, these are characteristics. These are things that we need to make sure that we understand and we operate in so that we are ready for all the moments that God's going to bring our way, all the moments of us living our lives. And so we talked about faith, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we have to have faith in every moment, because if there's a moment that we don't have faith, that's a moment that we're not pleasing God. Last week we talked about hope and every moment we need to have hope. We need to have a confidence that God can do what he said he will do, that there is a future that'll be better than our present or our past. And today this, Paul says that this love that he's talking about here is the greatest of these. It's the largest of these. That faith is amazing. And faith is something that the scripture talks a lot about. And you have to have faith uh, even to come into the kingdom. And God wants us to live by faith and hope. We have to have hope. If we lose our hope, then, then you know, we lose many times our drive, our will, our determination. We, we lose so much of our lives. But Paul here is saying, yeah, those are great. And you need to have those in every moment. But love... Love is better. Love is bigger. Love is more important. Love is more valuable, if you will. So as believers, we should love in every moment. Every moment of our lives, we should love. Now, we could literally take the rest of this year 
and, and we could go through um, uh, what it means and what the Bible says to love. Today we're just going to look through this chapter here. In, in verse 1, let's go back up to verse 1. It says, if I speak in the tongue of men, here Paul's saying, if I speak in the languages of men, if I'm articulate, maybe even if I know multiple languages, and that makes people think that I'm really smart, I'm really intelligent, I know how to use my words well, and of angels, which then means that there is a separation between the languages of men and a language of angels, because otherwise there's no need to, to add that in here. Or you would use some other phrasing to be able to identify languages of men and languages of angels. Languages of angels is a separate spiritual language. He says, if I can do both of those, if I can speak well in both of those, but if I don't have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, a cymbal was at this point something, um, it's a musical instrument, but it was used specifically to worship uh, this God, lowercase g, God of wine. And I try to tell you the name, but y'all know me by now, I'd mess up the name of that God. But here Paul's saying, I can be as articulate as the, the, the most articulate person in the world. And y'all know, hopefully you know, that like there's a lot of value in that. People have been articulate and caused other people to do all kinds of stuff just by the way that they're able to use their words. People who are really good with words, they can make you laugh. They can make you cry. They can definitely make you angry. They can make you happy. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you see the extreme examples of um, even cults and cult leaders. We say they're very charismatic. Part of that is they're very good with their words. And so they're so good with their words, they get a whole bunch of people to drink the Kool-Aid. Like, like this is powerful stuff. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in our tongue. Words are important. Words are valuable. Words are powerful. And Paul is saying, if I am the absolute best with words, it means nothing if I don't have love. Like if I could talk 200 people into drinking the Kool-Aid, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if I use it for bad or if I use it for good. This is, this is something that, that you can use words to, to sway people in, in, in very uh, drastic degrees. But if I don't do it in love and with love, I'm just making noise. I'm just making noise. Y'all ever met somebody that they, they, man, they have all the right words, but you can tell it's not in the right attitude or right spirit? You know, it's the people who um, maybe they know everything, but you know that, they, that like, their heart isn't in it. This, this love is greater than our abilities to persuade people. Our abilities even to speak in the, the languages of angels. When you study this out, I, I believe this is a reference to praying in other tongues and, and speaking in other tongues. It, it, this spiritual gift that even love is greater than that. And our ability to speak in the language of angels, love is greater. Without love, we are just literally making noise. And if I have prophetic powers and understand not some mysteries, but understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains. Now, now let's pause right there. If I have prophetic powers, meaning I can tell you what's going to happen. I can tell you what's going to happen in your life. I can tell you what's going to happen in your kids' lives. I can tell you what's going to happen on your job. Like prophetically, I can tell you what's going to happen in the world, what God's going to do, what's going to happen in the church, what's going to happen with coronavirus, what's going to happen next year, the next thing that we panic over. Do you know how valuable that is? <laughs> like, like literally, if I could tell you everything about the rest of your life, what would that be worth to you? For most people, that would be really valuable. Like, like sign me up for that because that removes a lot of the pressure, removes a lot of the stress. Like, let me just know, you know, this is what we want from God. This is what a lot of Christians pray from God. It's like, God, show me what's going to happen because this in-between of what you've promised and where I am, like, I don't like that. I don't like not knowing if I'm going to be able to pay the mortgage. I don't like not knowing if we're going to be able to have kids. I don't, I don't like not knowing if I'm ever going to get married. or I don't like knowing if, if I'm going to get that promotion or be able to start that bit. Like, I don't like that. So, God, just, just tell me that. And, and if you have that, man, that is so valuable to so many people. But not just the prophetic powers, but if you understood all mysteries, like, and you had all knowledge. I'm not saying, like, you're the smartest person in the world. I'm saying you're so far beyond the smartest person in the world because you have all knowledge and you understand every mystery. Like you can explain to a simpleton like me how an airplane flies and how a cruise ship floats on water. Like I, I don't understand. <laughs> like like you, you don't just know some stuff, but you know all mysteries and have all knowledge. How valuable is that? You're not going to be poor unless you just choose to be poor. You're not going to be obscure unless you just choose to be obscure. If you know all mysteries and have all knowledge, people will seek you out because it is so valuable. And if you have the faith so as to remove mountains. Now, I read this and I think, well, Jesus said, you know, it just takes a little bit of tiny faith to move, remove mountains. And they're like, man, have you all ever moved a mountain? Because <laughs> I... I I, I haven't done it yet. I, I don't, I've never seen anybody that did it yet. And Jesus is like, it's just, just, a, just a little bit. So maybe Paul's just saying, hey, I just got a little bit of faith. But whatever that little bit is, like, it's more to mine. At least right now, it's probably more than y'all's. Right? And so he's like, if my faith can move mountains. So I have the prophetic. I have all, I understand all mysteries. I, I know all knowledge, but I can, I can pick a mountain up by my faith and move it to a different place. Or I can make a mountain become flat ground because of my faith. Like this is next level stuff. This is powerful stuff. But he ends verse two by saying, but have not love. I am nothing. Man. Man, maybe, maybe we would say this differently. Maybe we would say, man, I have, I have the whole book of 1 Corinthians memorized. And I go to church every Sunday. And, and I give in the offering and I give to the poor. And I, I serve on Saturdays at the Round Rock Serving Center. And I serve the homeless. And, man, I do all this. That's great. 
I lead a faith group. I lay hands on the sick. I see him recover. Man, that's awesome. That's great. I believe if we wrote that in verse 2, Paul would still say, but if you have not love, you're nothing. If I have not love, I'm nothing. I forgot to tell you all in the beginning, like this is probably not going to be one of those shouting, I love you, you're amazing, yes, pastor. Because this is challenging, right? Like, like to be so connected with God that you know all the mysteries and have all the knowledge and you have all these prophetic powers, but, but you're nothing still. You know, there's so many Christians that they, what, what they really, when they seek God, they're not really trying to get that close to God. What they're really trying to do is become someone, become something. They're trying to get approval because they haven't been able to get approval here on earth. And so they're, they're hoping that at least God will approve them. And so they, they try to learn more, they try to understand more, they try to do more, they try to do more spiritual push-ups and jump through more spiritual hoops to try to become something. When in actuality, God loves every one of us so deeply and so intimately that you're already accepted. He doesn't need you to have the, all the prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and know all the things there are to know. What he needs you to do is he needs you to love. Because if you don't love, then he thinks you're something. You're just not living it out. And so you revert back to being nothing. Not because you don't have faith, not because you don't have understanding, because you don't have love. Every moment that we don't love is a moment where we are nothing. Verse 3, this gives me, this, this gets me. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, think about that. I give away all I have. A minute ago, we received the offering. And some of y'all, especially if you're newer here, you got real nervous. Because you've been to other churches. I've, I've only been to one of these kind of churches. But, like, you know, some churches, like, they'll, they'll take the offering and then they'll do something. And somebody will go count it and then they'll come back. And if, like, it wasn't enough, then, like, we're going to do it again. <laughs> right? And it's going to be like, all right, y'all did good. But Ray, I need another thousand dollars, Ted. Uh, Ted, Ted, how much you got? You got a thousand? You got two thousand? Like you become an auctioneer, <laughs> right? Like some of y'all got real nervous, and some of y'all have a problem with tithing, and, and, and it's not because of you've tried to make the Bible fit to whatever your preferences are, but but you have a problem with actually what you really have a problem with is being generous. And so sometimes people get into like, like oh, well, the tithe, y'all from, I don't know why, I've been talking about this fairly recently, but, you know, the tithe is of the Old Testament, and I don't have to tithe anymore. I, I just want to be a New Testament church. Like, I need faith for life to be a New Testament church. Really? Because this isn't the only verse like this. If I give away all I have, just read the book of Acts. You'll have heard of... Uh, Ananias and Sapphira? Yep. Lord, here is my tithe. You can joyfully have my tithe. Now, if God tells you to give it all away, you give it all away. But if God don't tell you to give it all away, amen. Paul here is saying, if I give away all that I have, everything that you have, if I give it all away, and... If that wasn't enough, if I deliver up my body to be burned, 
Like you're signing up to go in the fiery furnace. Like you're signing up to go to the cross. Like you're like, I am going to put myself in harm's way on purpose for the gospel. Man, that, that requires some faith. Or some stupidity. <laughs> but, but we're going to assume it's in faith, right? Like Paul's talking good here. Like, like, man, if God tells me to give away everything that I have and I'm obedient to that. And God tells me to, to, to even give up my body to be burned. Maybe for his name's sake or to sacrifice myself and, and not compromise my testimony. Whatever the case may be. If that, those are amazing feats of faith that most of us are not in that place. Most of us are not yet there. And, and we can see that we're not yet there because God will tell us to give something away and we hold tightly to it. it it's funny, none of, we haven't even got to my notes yet and I'm almost out of time. So if you're like on the YouVersion Bible app right now, you're like, what is he, t- where is he? <laughs> um, so I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, I saw Minister Mario over here. I was about to go back in my office, and I saw Minister Mario over here, and it was dark in here, and so I couldn't really see that good, and uh, Minister Mario had this jacket on, and I was like, man, I like that jacket. I just said that to him. Um, it's kind of become a thing between us. We keep, th- we, we've done this several times now with each other, and so I was like, man, I like that jacket. I was just trying to give him a compliment. I couldn't really, it was dark, couldn't see, and so um, after the second service, I go back in my office, and there's this jacket on the, on the chair back there. And, and I was like, huh, people come in and out of the office. I was like, somebody left their jacket in, the, in here. I'll leave it in here. Hopefully they'll get it. I come back Wednesday. It's still in there. I come back the next Sunday. And I'm like, whose jacket is this? I, I, I had no idea whose jacket it was. And Minister Mario came in that next Sunday. I was like, hey, Minister Mario, can you find out? I don't, this is the way I remember it anyway. If it didn't happen this way, don't, don't correct me right now. This is just the way I remember it. <laughs> this is just the way I remember it. He, he comes in. I was like, hey, Mr. Mario, can you find out whose jacket this is? Somebody left it in there. And he was like, it was my jacket. I gave it to you. Remember you said you liked it. I was like, oh, it was dark. I didn't know what color it was. I never had a green jacket before. But he was like, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to bless you with the jacket. And I was like, man, I like this jacket. Now, I, I got this jacket, and I was like, I, I, I put it on. I was like, man, this is, this is like a brand-new jacket. I don't know. He didn't tell me, but I'm sure it's like a brand-new jacket. Like, I've never seen him wear it. It's, like, new. It, like, still smells new. And I know Minister Mario did not come here three, four weeks ago hoping to give away his new jacket. I know he didn't. But I also know Minister Mario is willing to do whatever God tells him to do and give away whatever God tells him to give away. It was nothing for him prayerfully. Hopefully it was God telling him to do that, not because I said I liked it. That he was just like, okay, I'll take it off and i hand it to you. Now, I think me and Minister Mario kind of hesitate on complimenting each other because it feels like every time we compliment each other, we, cha- we trade clothes. And my whole goal is as long as I can still fit Minister Mario's clothes, I am okay. I am good. (laughs) But if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. Now, the Bible talks so much about love. It tells us God is love. That God is in us, which means perfect love is in us. The Bible tells us that, that God has given love into our hearts. He has poured it into our hearts. 
Bible also tells us that we are only able to love because God first loved us. That God commands us. He says the greatest commandment is to love him with everything that we have. And the second is like unto it that we should love each other as we love ourselves. The Bible also tells us that believers should be known by our love. People should be able to identify you, not because of what you say, not because of reciting scripture, not even because of giving, not because you wear a Jesus uh, t-shirt, but because you love. They should be able to identify the love in you and say, you must be one of those believers. Other believers should be able to identify each other because we love in the same way. Every believer has the capacity to love. So a believer who says, oh, I just don't like people, should be an oxymoron. But really what it is is just a believer who needs to grow in this area. And no judgment, there's areas I need to grow in, there's areas you need to grow in. But to say that you cannot love, like they just did me so wrong I cannot love them, or that group of people did me so wrong I cannot love them, or I, it's just not my personality, I'm just not, no, no, no that, that's, not, that's not true. That's not true because God who is love and is the God of love lives on the inside of you, and he says that you are to love and you should be known by your love, and he says the greatest commandment is to love him, the second is to love each other while also loving yourself. So any moment that we are not loving, we're just making noise. We're not gaining anything. We, we are not becoming anything. Essentially, every moment that we are not loving, we are wasting time. Now, the problem with this is we don't fully understand what it means to love. And so you start thinking like, Pastor, that sounds good, but my, my, I don't feel the love. My emotions aren't, aren't there all the time. And, and there's, I don't feel like there's anything I can do with that. Well, first of all, we need to understand that biblically there's four Greek words for love. And I'm going to go through this pretty quickly for time's sake. Um, the first one is phileo. It's a love for a friend. Uh, this consists of what you see in a person that gives you pleasure. So, um, so I, I love Minister Mario, but I don't love Minister Mario the same way I love Pastor Priscilla. I love him in a different way. It's that love you have for a friend. The second word is, is um, this is the way I say it, it's storge. It's a, it's a show of affection. This is how, uh, like, I love my kids, or maybe how you might love your parents or the elderly. And, and this is, again, not the same way that I love my friend, not the same way that I love my wife. This is uh, this different, unique kind of love. Now, many times, if you take the phileo, the love for a friend, and you combine it with the storge, the show of affection, sometimes this will produce this third kind of love, which is called eros. And this is the sexual kind of love. This is the attraction love. This is where we get the word erotic from. Um, now, those three, those three are based on uh, two very fickle factors, one is your emotions, right? You, you can love a friend one day and not love a friend the next day. Um, you can love a child in one moment. And you may never say it, but you don't love them in that next moment. <laughs> um, you can be uh, sexually attracted and then no longer sexually attracted. Like your feelings can change these things. The other thing that can change these things is other people. 
because these are very, very heavily focused on other people. And other people, if you don't know, spoiler alert, everybody's a little fickle. But the fourth kind of love, the kind of love that Paul is writing about here, that so much of what we just read about when the scripture talks about love is this agape love. This is the God kind of love. This is the way that God loves us. This sees people as being valuable. This is a choice that's greater than your feelings. This is not about what you feel. This is about what you choose. Uh, Agape love is determined uh, not by the receiver and how good they are, how much pleasure they bring us, or how obedient they are as children. This is determined by the giver. This is determined by you. This is the way that God loves us. God loves us because he is good, not because we're good. So phileo, storge, and eros, they're based on these feelings and these other people. And agape is based on choice and based on you. So believers are not required to phileo in every moment. We're not required to storge in every moment. We're certainly not required, and I'm glad that we don't, eros in every moment, because that would just be evil. But we are required to agape in every moment. In the next five verses here, Paul gives us some insight into what agape in every moment, what that looks like. And we don't have time to really slow down and go through these, but but let's read them. Many of you all are familiar with them. In verse 4, it says, love is patient. (laughs) Agape is patient. We should be patient in every moment. I don't know about you, but like, man, I'm already disqualified. <laughs> like, like, we're at number one, and I'm like, Lord, help me. And is kind in every moment? Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Like, in every moment... So in a moment where you envy, where you're jealous, a moment where you're boastful or you're arrogant is a moment that you're outside of love. The moment that you're rude is a moment that you're outside of love. It does not insist on its own way. Mm. It is not irritable or resentful. Other, another way of saying it is not easily offended. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And then his prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. All those things pass away because when we get to heaven, you don't need those things. Essentially, when you go down to the end, that's when we end the greatest of these is love. But love doesn't pass away. So, so here's, here's something that, that I've I created um, maybe a year or two ago, maybe three. I have no sense of time. And you just take these verses, and I just create like this daily checklist where I'm just going to ask myself these questions every day based on these verses. Was I patient in every moment today? Was I kind in every moment today? Was I jealous in any moment today? Was I boastful or arrogant in any moment today? Was I rude in any moment today? Did I insist on my way 
in any moment today? Was I irritable in any moment today? Was I resentful in any moment today? Was I happy about something God wasn't happy about in any moment today? Was I happy about the things God was happy about in every moment today? Did I bear or cover with silence all things in every moment today? Did I believe the best in every moment today? Did I have hope in every moment today? Did I persevere in every moment today? Did I give up on agape in any moment today? Now, if you ask yourself those questions every day and you're honest with yourself with those questions every day, number one, it's going to show you where you're actually at. Because many times you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm kind all the time. We're like, oh, let's slow down. Were you kind in every moment today? What about that customer that was just absolutely rude to you? Did you respond with kindness? Were you patient? Did you insist on your way? Like, like when you honestly answer these, you begin to see yourself where you actually are. Now, in the ways that you didn't answer the way that God wants you to answer, you repent. Meaning you ask God to forgive you, you turn your heart back to him, and then you do better the next moment. This isn't about beating yourself up. This isn't about condemnation. The ones that you did good on that day, especially if you've struggled in the past, celebrate those. Celebrate them. Even if you're celebrating by yourself, you want to take this to the next level, don't ask yourself these questions by yourself. Ask them with somebody else. Maybe somebody else that can say, no, you think you were kind today, but you were not kind. <laughs> or maybe it's not somebody who knows the answer to that, but just somebody that you can be held accountable and you can hold them accountable to, to, to evaluating yourself every day. Essentially, loving in every moment boils down to 2 John chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says this, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk or live according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Love is obedience to God. That's what love is. You cannot love God and disobey God. Love is obedience to God. Everything, every moment is worthless without love. God wants us to love him. And everybody that you come in contact with wants love from someone, including you. I love this quote, and, and I've recently seen it on the Chick-fil-A sign at university. Um, and this one I'm going to end with is this guy named Bob Goff. He wrote, he wrote a book, and, and this is my favorite quote out of the book. It says, go love everybody always. Like, that's our charge. Love in every moment. Because if you'll love in every moment, you'll be ready for every moment. If we go, if we just go from here and we love everybody always, being patient and being kind. Not, not, let me, gosh. Let me tell you something else. Love is not always being a pushover and just letting everybody have their way. In John chapter 1, we're told that Jesus was full of grace 
meaning he would forgive, he would give grace, he would extend grace, he would not beat you up for it, but he was also full of truth. Tough love is not a saying, it's, it's a biblical principle. How many times did God come in and say, no, 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 you're wrong and you got to repent? Go, go read some of the Old Testament stuff. Like, y'all are all wrong, you better repent or you're all dead. <laughs> right? So, so love, love is many things, but it's not always allowing uh, you to be run over because there are times not where you need to necessarily stand up for yourself as much as you need to stand up for truth. But you do it with love in your heart. So, man, let's go love everybody always. Can we do that? Will y'all commit to that? Can y'all do that this week? Let's love everybody that we come in contact with in every moment. Can we do that? Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.